turn up your radio, it's time for DeLorean Talk with your host, Dave Tavers. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to DeLorean Talk. I know if you actually are a fan and have been listening, you're thinking Dave must have totally forgot about the show. Life gets in the way. This is a fun project. So, yeah, um, I trust me. Every month I've been wanting to do an episode and either I would schedule with somebody and it wouldn't work out or uh, I was busy or traveling or, or working and just a lot of stuff going on. So uh, I apologize, but the show is not for- gone or forgotten and I do love doing this. So thanks to everybody who patiently waiting and to those who have contacted me saying I want to do the show and I haven't reached out to you. I will. I ha- I've saved all the emails. So um at some point, we'll we'll get around to it. On a personal note, I am moving from Orange, California, with the Orange County DeLorean Club, to Las Vegas, Nevada, uh, in July. So I'll be busy for the next month or so. But my expectation is that I'll have a little bit more time once I get moved, and maybe we'll get some more of these episodes rather than once every two months or every six months. Uh, try to do one, you know, every month. No promises. We'll see how it goes. But thanks again for uh, for tuning in and listening, and I'm excited to finally get another episode going. Today, I am welcoming Clint Wolf from Sacramento, California, VIN 1768. Hey, Clint. Hi, Dave. Thanks for having me on. I, and I'm glad that you're willing to make the time and that we were able to synchronize. I appreciate your time. Not a problem, everyone. Everyone gets busy. Yeah, that's that's the way life works, right? And the, we all love the DeLorean, but uh, we still got to pay the bills. Yeah, as much as we want it, number one of our life, we got to take care <laughs> of everything else too. Exactly. So, uh, why don't you introduce yourself and and just give people who don't know you uh, kind of an intro and a basic background? So, I'm a relatively younger DeLorean owner, uh, 31 years old right now. Um, I've always wanted. DeLorean and I've always been into cars ever since I was about five or six years old and from about that same time period my number one dream car was the DeLorean from as you probably guessed Back to the Future that was <laughs> right in my time range and watched the movie on VHS a million times so I knew very little about it before I was a teenager but that didn't discourage me even when I learned some of the poor things about it you know being <laughs> slow and whatnot so, right I actually asked my mother to start up a second savings account for me uh, in an effort to purchase the DeLorean. And all my Christmas money or yard sale money or mowing lawn, whatever, would go into that. So I wow. saved up a few thousand dollars by the time I was 20 or so years old to actually purchase this car. I was very strict with myself to not pull anything out on that for a you know flashy you know <laughs> video game or what have you. Right. So, that is I've commitment. Been dedicated wow. from the start. Yeah. Holy cow. When how old were you when you first uh, opened that bank account? Uh first time I started it was I think seven or eight. Holy cow. Yeah, I, I was very determined from the beginning. So always begging my, my parents to to let me go get one, you know, as my first car and <laughs> thankfully they didn't allow that to happen and I'm 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 glad that they didn't because I know we see a lot of people on the forum or, or other else on the internet and they want they also want their DeLorean as a first car but uh <laughs> speaking from experience it's not the best car for a sixteen year old or however old. You need right. to have a little experience and you do need to have a second car, mostly for practicality sake. So Right. It worked out. You started the bank account around eight years old and how yeah. old were you when you finally bought one? I was 21 years old, so I uh, I just celebrated my 10th year of owning a DeLorean. Wow. Um, I got it a little bit after my 21st birthday, so that was sort of a late 21st birthday present to myself. Nice. Which I'm pretty happy about. But long before that, I had posters up, and I mean, you, I couldn't go 10 minutes without you know thinking about DeLorean when I was in high school. <laughs> there'd be a lot of classes that would be boring to my interest, like, why is this? class about the Civil War instead of about the history of DeLorean. <laughs> um, you know, I had sketchbooks full and I had made models and all sorts of stuff. I was I was borderline obsessed. So. Well, starting at eight, sincerely, that is a unique story. I've not heard anybody come close to that. 
That's a, a yeah. good commitment right there. So 10 years, uh, VIN 1768. So you've got an early car. Was any work done to it before you got it? It was relatively original. It's a gas flap hood, black interior manual. Um, the interior had been reupholstered. I don't know, maybe sometime in the 90s to uh, a vinyl seat. Oh. So they they still looked pretty realistic to what the regular seats look like. But otherwise, that was mostly all intact inside. Um, didn't have any real major modifications or updates. And it came from, originally from Maine. I did kind of one of those off-brand Carfax reports on it. And I believe it's had four owners. Oh wow! Which is concurrent to what my the previous owner had told me, uh, and he had brought it from Massachusetts down to uh, Austin, Texas area, and then he moved to Berkeley, California. He moved to Berkeley, right next to Sacramento, but then the car went back to Maine. Uh, no, it, it started in Maine, went to Massachusetts, uh, went down to Texas for a year or so when he lived, when he owned it. So I have a rough rough idea of the history going back to, I think, 1988, which is as far back as the records go. Like, it had 10,000 or 12,000 miles back then. And then by the year 1999, the previous owner had purchased it, and I think it had 30,000, and the odometer broke. He told me the odometer broke, and he just drove a lot, <laughs> you know, tens of thousands of miles, supposedly. So Wow. The angle drive, guaranteed to break. <laughs> Well, I've had pretty good luck with them. I've only gone through two. And uh, oh. like I said, I, I got it with about 30, I have it somewhere, 37,000 something miles. And I had actually just last week doubled the original mileage under my ownership. Okay, that's funny. I am right at my border of doubling the mileage from when I got the car on my car. How funny. Yeah. So there was 37 on the odometer, but probably 10 or 20,000 more on top of that. Yeah, I'd, I'd bet at least 45, maybe 50. So it. Uh, the car is currently at 73 or 74,000, something like that. So I imagine it's either 80 or 90,000 miles, which is relatively higher for DeLorean nowadays. Yeah. But Well, I mean, you know, it is getting up there. And if the car was enjoyed, I think that's also good, though, when you have uh, – I'm not a mechanic and obviously a short-term owner, but DeLoreans that have a little bit higher miles means that somebody has driven it and taken care of it. It's I, My feeling is if you get a DeLorean with, you know – 3,000 miles on it, everything is going to have to be gone through because it wasn't Absolutely. driven, wasn't taken care of, and now you're going to be dumping 20 grand into it. Well, unfortunately, my car didn't quite follow that ruling. I had that medium amount of mileage, and it was also quite poorly beat up and well-driven into the ground. Oh. So if uh, the listeners want to follow along, sort of, I have a pretty good chronological journal, I suppose, on uh, DMC Talk. It's a good uh, 30 or, uh, no, how many pages? 39 pages of, of a lot of pictures and information about everything I've done. So I got pictures from day one all the way to a couple of weeks ago. Wow. There. What's the name of the thread? So the name of the thread is Restoration of 1768. Awesome. And my uh, avatar, my username is VWDMC16. VW like Volkswagen DMC16. Correct. Before I got DeLoreans, I was I was big into air cooled Volkswagen, so <laughs> combined my two two favorites. Now I kind of wish I could get rid of the VW. <laughs> awesome. So that's on and that's on DMC on the DMC Talk forum. Cool. Yeah. Have you uh, put your car into the DeLorean Census on DeLoreanDirectory.com slash census? Yeah, I uh, believe the vehicle was on there when I checked it in, but I gave an update on its location and otherwise the information was special on it, so it's up there as well. Awesome. Well, it'd be awesome. Do you mind if I grab the photos from the from the thread and put them onto the VIN page? Please do. Awesome. That'd be great. So yeah, that well, uh, if the page doesn't exist, it'll be DeLoreanDirectory.com slash DeLoreans slash VIN 01768. And you can go look at all the pictures that uh, I was able to find from Clint's thread. And I'll also put a link to that thread on DMC Talk in the uh, the show notes. Very cool. Cool. Yeah, there's thousands of pictures to uh, to look through. So. Oh, really? No shortage. Yeah, wow. no shortage of reference photos. And wow. That was uh, quite quite the shutterbug or whatever they call <laughs> back then. And awesome. 
a lot of the earlier ones are terrible early digital camera ones. But sure, sure. They give you a good idea of what I was doing, what I was up against. Uh, I'm assuming it's not your daily driver? It is not. Uh, I have it under a classic car insurance, so per the policy, I'm not allowed to drive it daily. And even if I could, um, maybe eight, five to eight years ago, I would have been all for that, but I've like to say I've matured a little bit in that it's it, it can be a little bit dangerous driving a tiny little lowered car. And <laughs> it isn't the most practical. I, I do have to sometimes carry components and boxes or whatever for my work. And, um, you know, I, I like to have something a little more modern. <laughs> Comfortable safe. as well and safe. Yep. Yeah. I love driving the DeLorean, but I'm the same way. There's uh, There are stints when people are visiting or there's a lot of stuff going on and I'm driving the car a fair amount, you know, maybe two or three or four times during the week. And then I get into my Jetta and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so much more comfortable and, and roomy and, you know, power steering and everything is, is very nice. Absolutely. You've been driving the car, uh, not as a daily driver for the last 10 years. What's the furthest you've driven it? Uh, have you done any road trips or uh, gone someplace fun with it? Oh yeah. I've, I've had quite a few long trips in it. Probably one of my Exciting one is actually probably one of my better stories with the car. I can pull that up as well on the forum. I have a pretty good journal of uh, of that event. It was actually called the Rental Car Rally. Uh, it's pretty akin to the Gumball Rally. Oh, wow. uh, but the idea is that you don't need to be a millionaire. You don't need to drive an exotic, expensive car to do this event. You can actually just go and rent something from the airport. And the idea is you start in one location. They give you checkpoints that you have to photograph yourself at. And then whoever gets to the finish line with the least amount of miles wins, I think it was a $1,500 prize. It only cost maybe $100 to enter. And then everyone's encouraged to dress up. So it's kind of like a rolling Halloween Mardi Gras frat party <laughs> on wheels. Yeah, you take pictures, and whoever gets there first wins, and whoever has the best costume actually won a prize. So we actually, I actually won that prize because we did a, as you can probably imagine, a Back to the Future theme. <laughs> Talking Marty, sure. Yeah, my uh, friend Andre and I, my friend Andre had done the event before in his Lotus Elise. I think he did it as some sort of like James Bond theme. Nice. Because he owned a lot of tuxedos. So he did that and he had a lot of fun, <laughs> told me about it. So we went to the thrift store and we made some pretty convincing looking costumes. I'm six foot four, so I don't make a very convincing Marty. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I was able to get a wig and look like Marty in a paint suit. Um, again, all those. All those pictures are on there. I think if you go to page 7 on my restoration of 1768, you can see quite a few pictures. Nice. So it was a very long race. We started up here in Sacramento, uh, Davis, actually, which is next town over. started like 6 in the morning, and the race starts in Los Angeles in this parking lot outside of the Railroad Museum. And the race starts at midnight on Saturday. Sorry, you said the race starts in Los Angeles? The race starts in Los Angeles, which is 600-something miles away from me. So we packed up the car uh, Friday Friday morning, and we left Friday morning, excuse me. So you left you left Davis at 6 in the morning to drive down to L.A.? Correct. Okay. And we arrived in, uh, in Los Angeles at uh, about 10 p.m., and then 11 p.m., everyone started kind of gathering in this parking lot. It wasn't exactly a fully sanctioned event. So, you know, there was police around, and we, we kind of had to hurry it all up. But like I said, there's a bunch of photos of that one down there. So this also, I should also note, was in June of 2010. Okay. So summer, and I had not finished the air conditioning. Oh, we, no. uh, we can get into it a little more later. Like I said, the car was very rough, and I wanted to make sure it was plenty reliable for this event. Right. There would be a lot of driving. Yeah. And it physically came down to time where I had to choose, do I get new shock absorbers or do I put in new air conditioning? <laughs> and my, I still had the original girling on the front of the car. But for some reason, they were sort of like locked up. The car was raised up real high, and it just felt like I had cinder blocks for front spring. Oh. The, spring the shocks themselves would not compress. So I sort of modified some Mazda Miata shocks I had laying around because I just didn't have time or really the budget at the time get something proper. Cheap front shocks weren't actually that very easily available at that time for some reason. So I threw some new shocks in and decided, you know what, we can brave the heat. 
and I uh, kind of regretted that. <laughs> we did have one little bit of reprieve in the form of a cool suit, which is something that road racers use in race cars. It's a T-shirt with uh, some nylon tubing that zigzags across it and a small igloo cooler, which will pump ice water through that, and this will suck heat from your body core and cool you down. It's yeah. incredibly refreshing. Yeah. But only had one of those. So we had to take turns uh, putting that behind us, between us and the seat. And again, there's a picture of it on there. It worked pretty well, but it only lasts about an hour before the ice would melt. Yeah. So every hour we had to pull over. Get some if, ice. If we needed it. And, uh, you know, walk, our, our trick was to walk into a McDonald's and say, can I get a cup of ice? Because they don't charge you for a drink if you only get ice. All right. So we get a large cup of ice for free and, you know, fill the cooler and be on our way. <laughs> so. So it was pretty warm. Anyway, so awesome. the race began at midnight. We know the finish line is in Mexico. So remember, we started in Sacramento, California, which is northern California. And we're going to go all the way to New Mexico, which was actually the, the border of uh, Arizona, New Mexico, Tombstone, Arizona, where, wow. where the finish line ended up being. So we started at that railroad museum and ended at the set where they filmed the, that movie, that old western with. Val Kilmer and everybody. Which railroad museum are you talking about? I'm not sure. I'm sure you would know it better than I. Um, it's in Los Angeles, though. Yeah, it was. It's central Los Angeles. I'm. I'm not terribly familiar. Okay. With nope, that's okay. What sub city that would be? But anyways, the parking lot of it. it was sure. Brilliant. So, um, everyone posed for pictures. We were we were pretty famous down there. Pretty popular with all the people. <laughs> so it was a lot of fun. Everyone else had you know a rental car. They're old truck covered in camo or there was like a dumb and dumber same one they put a bunch of shag carpeting from ikea over there <laughs> nice floor and nice all sorts of fun stuff so we take off it's midnight we haven't slept we only stopped for a quick dinner and anyway we you could talk for hours about this this whole thing i'll run through it sort of briefly we go through the night we have to go through a checkpoint up to mount san jacinto which is on uh highway 243 we got there at 2 a.m that was a really fun point, driving through the mountain. There was no traffic. It was yeah. nice and cool. Yeah, cool um, at night. A little bit dangerous. <laughs> and then it's sort of going through the desert. We ended up at Salton Sea, that inland salt lake that looks terrible, but yep. it's kind of a very picturesque yep. place to end up. And every place we went, we had to take a little photograph and post it up on Twitter. I think that was one of the early days of Twitter and prove that we went there. There was, I think, seven or eight checkpoints in all. No, 10. You know, sorry, 10. And the last one was a bonus. So by the time it was, the race had to end at Tombstone at 7 p.m. on Saturday. And by about 4 p.m. or so, we were getting pretty tired. And so we're like, we need to just beeline it there because we're, we're getting pretty beat and tired. It's getting pretty hot. I eventually, we eventually got pulled over in, right <laughs> out of, outside of Tucson. Oh, no. We'd both been awake and driving for 32 hours straight. <sighs> so... We weren't exactly, you know, driving in as straight of line as we could have. Yeah, that's probably more dangerous than driving in a low car. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at least it was bright out, but we had plenty <laughs> of energy drinks in us and ready to go. But my friend Andre was driving. He got pulled over, and so the, the cops were about to give us a ticket, and they saw our costumes. We uh, you don't have to wear your costume the whole event. That would have been quite hot. Um, but they asked about that, like, what are you guys doing out here? And so we told them about the rally, and they said, well, that sounds pretty fun. But you were sort of in there pretty good. So I could either give you a ticket, or you guys could get in your costumes and take pictures with us. And we'll let you go. <laughs> That's awesome. So we obliged, even though it was 107 degrees out. <laughs> and we got in our costumes and posed with the police officers. And it ended up turning out pretty fun there. Awesome. But it was it was quite an event. The car did very well. It never overheated. I hadn't really done. I think I did a water pump before that, but I had not changed the radiator or any of the cooling lines or anything like that. It it never got up to 220 degrees or anything. It was rock solid. That is a lot of miles. Sacramento to New Mexico via Los Angeles. Wow, and back. Yeah, the the actual rally itself was 711 miles for us. Wow. And the winning team did it in 60 miles less, but they were in like a pre-runner, you know, Baja truck. So they were they were going through some cornfields or something instead of uh, <laughs> following the freeways. 
So we didn't oh, win fun. the grand prize, but we did win the, the grand theme prize, which was like a gold-plated gas pump handle or something like that. But nice. We were too tired to go to the after party. So after this 35 hours of being awake, they wanted us to go to a late-night party at a strip <laughs> club in Tombstone, Arizona. <laughs> Fail. So we passed on that because we, we, uh, we didn't want to drive another half hour in the car. Right. So I am jealous. That sounds like so much fun. I'm definitely going to be looking that up because that sounds like a lot of fun. They uh, they actually do it on both coasts of the country. I believe they do it twice a year, and they change the location every time. So another race might be from like New York to Boston to I don't know somewhere else on the East Coast. Right. To Mississippi. Awesome story to do with the DeLorean. Yeah. Very fun. I know that there's a DeLorean owner here that for many years has done the Fireball run and some other DeLorean owners have done that. Uh, that's basically the only thing I've heard of, but this definitely sounds like a lot of fun. Very cool. Yeah, it was a little more taxing than I thought. It ended up being 2,300 miles I did in a period of four days. <laughs> Jeez. I know a lot of owners who, who only have 2,300 miles on their car. Or they don't put 2,300 miles on their car in five years. <laughs> Exactly. So, you know, doing a one oil change service. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you had only had the car barely a year at that point, right? Yeah, this was June of 2010, and I bought it in April 2009. Yeah. So it was just over a year of owning it. Gosh, that's that's pretty gutsy, too. I was pretty nervous doing almost, going any distance when I got my car, and I, you know, I live in L.A., so breaking down here is not a big deal at all, but I still was concerned about just driving from Orange County to L.A., which is... Not that many miles, but it's a lot of time because of traffic. And uh, you did it in, you know, in the first year, you took it on 2,300 miles of a trip. That's crazy. But glad it yeah. turned out. Uh, I mean, it, it might have almost been f more fun if you had a bunch of breakdowns because those all have some technical story to them. True, but not in that heat. No, thanks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, are you, uh, do you work on cars all? Is that a hobby? How, I mean, changing the shocks, um, that's not something that most people do on their own. Yeah, I'm I'm actually a, a professional mechanic slash uh, <laughs> fabricator. Oh, awesome! Harking back to my profession about the car since I was so young, I I kind of always knew I was going to be a mechanic or working on vehicles in some regard. I moved out to Sacramento to actually go to Wyoming Technical Institute, the car college, which has since shut down. And then I ended up just staying out here. I got a job at a race company or a race prep shop that would build roll cages and take hmm. take care of vehicles at racetracks. So that was a lot of fun. And I just ended up staying there. It was good money. And honestly, having having that experience in that shop is what allowed me to afford to have this car. I, I'm not a wealthy guy, and but I have all these skills to, to fix any problem that comes my way. So never had to pay anyone. That's amazing. Because that is a big part. Uh, um, not There's not many owners that, well, there's lots of owners that do all their own work, but True. not not the ones that I've met in Southern California. <laughs> uh, Chris Miles up in Fresno has done all his own work um, for yeah, even even significant things. It's one thing if you're changing headlights. Sure, most people can do that. But if you're doing changing shocks and things like that, that's a lot of work. Changing fuel lines, most people won't do by themselves. So very cool that you've got yeah. that skill and being a mechanic with that skill set and you still chose a DeLorean as your as your favorite car, as your classic car that you're going to run and operate. That's very cool because you could pick anything. Yeah, and I've always I've had other plenty of other cars since then, but DeLorean's always been my number one project and there's not one to turn mine into one day. Nice. Are you active with the NorCal Club? I am. I'm kind of right in the middle, sort of, uh, being in Sacramento. There's a lot of guys in the Bay Area, which can be a little inconvenient to get out to, but there's a few guys here in the Sacramento area and towards the, the Bay Area that we get together pretty regularly, have some tech days. I've hosted a few tech days at my shop. Nice. And, uh, yeah, we like keeping it active and technical and taking on any problem possible. Do you end up working on a lot of people's DeLorean? I do. I actually do uh, side work working on other cars. I have one in my garage right now, so I'm I'm really <laughs> living my my teenage boy dreams of having two DeLoreans in my little garage at once. <laughs> my my friends sort of call me the local DeLorean guru. I've I've probably worked on nearly a dozen cars in the area. Wow. This one I have right now hasn't driven in a few years. It's pretty rough. It's about as rough as my car was when I first got it. Um, minus the rust. This car doesn't have any rust, but doing a full 
brake overhaul and the cooling update and the wiring overhaul just to get it drivable again. And that's wow. not mentioning any of the cosmetic work it needs. Wow. You, you're doing basically a restoration. You're not just doing a getting it back running again. Right. I'm, I'm not afraid of taking on any big project. My very first job when I was 15 years old was working at a concourse restoration shop in, in Houston. So I've been, I've been working on expensive and rare cars and painting and welding and you name it. So I don't think there's one bolt I haven't undone on my car. <laughs> Does everybody in Northern California and Oregon know you, or should we put in a pitch here for them to track you down if they need work on their DeLorean? Uh, you can feel free to put a pitch. I, I won't say that everyone knows knows of me, but I think quite a few people may have heard of me. Um, how can people track you down? Yeah, maybe you don't have a website or something, but how do you want people to track you down? Uh, you guys can find me on, on Facebook. I, I have my, my name up there, Clint Wolf. Great. With two Fs. Um, I'm, like you said, I'm in the Northern California group, so that's probably the easiest way is to message me through there. Or if you guys are on the DMC Talk Forum, shoot me a, a PM there and Great. and set something up. So I've I've got another another car in the line after this one to do an air conditioning rebuild and who knows what else. I'm always looking out for the next one to to help out. People who don't know me maybe have listened. I'm pretty opinionated, and I really feel like it is so important to have people like you. And this is not an empty compliment, but having people like you that love the car, and I'll, and I assume you love the community, who are willing to help and keep the cars going and not, I don't know, maybe you charge $500 an hour, I doubt it, but there's a lot of, of places that just, they don't care about the community, and they're just there for the dollars. So the skill is absolutely valuable, but if you don't love what you're doing, and you don't love the car, and you don't love the community, um, and you're just there to you know, empty people's pockets. I'm not a big fan of, of those groups and those companies. So I, I appreciate that you're out there helping people sincerely. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm all about the community and making sure these things are staying out on the road. That's where they, they need to be. So yeah. Everyone can see them and enjoy them. Yeah. Sincerely. Thank you on behalf of a lot of people, even the ones that haven't, <laughs> haven't used you yet, but um, I'm sure they can, like you said, they can track you down on social media and find out what the cost will be. And uh, I'm sure you talk to lots of people. That's great. I know I talk about Chris Miles on here a fair amount because he comes down to L.A. often enough that so many people here have gotten to know him and trust him. And he knows so much more than a lot of people, at least down here. And it's a mm. it's such a great help to have him as a resource. Uh, he's He's just helped a lot of people. So that, that's why I appreciate people like you uh, the same way I appreciate him uh, being able to help and figure out these problems. Yeah, I've met Miles. He's a great guy. Good, good. So since you've, you've had your car 10 years and it turns out you're a mechanic, how, what other modifications have you done to your car that maybe other people haven't or something everybody's done that you think everybody should do? Oh, man, how much, how much time do you have? <laughs> <laughs> the short version, yeah. I've done quite a bit on my car to the point I know a lot of people are a little bit upset that I've done <laughs> so many modifications that they would view as permanent, which I counteract saying, you know, give me a solid work week and all the parts I could make my car go back to stock if, if I needed to. My car was really rough in the beginning, and I knew that I, it wasn't really feasible for me to go make it back to a concourse or anything like that. Sure. And that's not what I really wanted. I appreciate the cars, They're all original, and I love drilling over them as much as any other boring guy. But, you know, I'll admit they do have their flaws in, in quality and, and performance aspects. And coming from a business where we work on race cars and have a lot of fun, I, I want to have the car do better than it did before. So sure, I'm all for making more power and better suspension, better brakes, what have you. From the one picture, you sent me a picture for the uh, episode cover. I, I don't see any modification. Well, it's the front of the car, but still, I don't see any modification. So people are upset with you for doing stuff that you can't even see? Well, if you take a you know a good look on some things, yeah, from, from a quick glance, no, it, it does look stock. You're right. It, my car has been lowered quite heavily, maybe about four inches or so, Oof. which is about as low as I think I could go without sort of tearing up the underside. <laughs> I, I don't scrape on driveways or speed bumps, but yeah, it's that's pretty good. close. 
Otherwise, I'm still running the, the original motor for now uh, and transmission and all that. I have done a lot of suspension work, different shocks and uh, reinforcements on the, the arm. I have larger brakes on it now. My front frame, I've, I've actually cut off that front frame extension and it's gone all tubular. Oh, wow. That was more of a necessity on a bit of stupidity on my part. I was pulling out of a parking lot and didn't see a low curb in my way and kind of slammed <laughs> into it maybe Ouch. 10 miles an hour. Um, again, this is, there's all photos of this on that page if you guys want to. I'm willing to bet you've got pictures and information about that. I'm excited to go through that. I didn't realize you had such a great history of all of it. Yeah, I mean, we could we could spend hours just going play by play on, on every page. and you know, nice. Every photo has quite a story to it. My front uh, frame section was pretty banged up and like the car uh, had come from Maine area, it was already pretty rusty. So the frame had some rot and tried to fix that up. It didn't seem very interesting to me. I, I bend roll bar tubing every day for roll cages. So I decided to make a much stronger, lighter sort of setup in the front end that huh. allowing me to make the front end more like what I want it to be. Have you done a frame off or, or did you do that all with the body on the on the original frame? That was with the body on. I came pretty close to taking the body off the frame a number of years ago. Uh, I had the motor out for frame repairs, but I decided I didn't need to spend that much more time yeah. taking that off. It helped me. So that is the one kind of big job I haven't done yet, is take the body off the frame. Do you, do you have a an idea that you're going to do that at some point? I'd like to, yeah. The frame had pretty bad rust, and I've always thought if I came across one, that was a lot healthier that I would swap it out. Nice. And that was before I had that front end damage. So sure. Ideally, I'd like to make an entirely new tubular frame. Oh, wow. That's a pretty large endeavor. Yeah. I know uh, DPI, Josh, DPI Performance, started creating a, a tubular frame a number of years ago. I believe he ran into some legal issues or something with it. Oh. And so he wasn't able to release that. But I really liked his design and the way it was laid out. So if I could build something like that, one off for myself, that would be ideal for me. Wow. And I'm sure you'll keep good photo history of it, and that would be cool to see that one of these years. Yeah, that would definitely be well documented. (laughs) As a mechanic, you probably have seen and done most everything, but most of us you know, are familiar with alternators dying or fuel problems, fuel pump, um, things like that. Any notable breakdowns over the years? Uh, nothing actually very cataclysmic. I, the car's been very reliable to me. It's never been on a tow truck. Um, oh, wow. Not elective. Yeah, I, not electively. I've you know, taken the motor out at home and then trailered it to sure. the shop to do yeah. welding or something. But that, That's allowable. <laughs> that's allowed. <laughs> I, uh, I did have a coolant pipe burst that was all my fault. I didn't quite hang it up. The ones that go below the transmission, I didn't have that angled quite right, so that was the lowest hanging part of the car. And I went out for a test drive and went over some <laughs> pretty rough railroad tracks downtown Sacramento, and it ripped off a coupler oh, under the car. Wow. I noticed the steam right away, pulled over. I was right in front of City Park, and I'm like, oh, I've, what am I going to do? And I've got a pretty determined spirit never to, you know, call in for a tow truck, wave the white flag <laughs> if I can help it. Sure. So I uh, parked the car up on a curb so I could crawl under it, and I kind of rigged the hose back together with all the duct tape that I had in the car. I'd carry <laughs> a few tools in the car. I knew it would hold for a little bit. So that fixed the hose, but what do I do about water? Well, hey, I'm at the city park. They must have water fountains nearby. Okay, I'm going to get water. Um, let's go digging in the trash for a cup. <laughs> so I would, how determined I was to go digging in the trash, find an old coffee cup, go find a public water fountain, oh, get 16 my. ounces of water back to the car to walk a quarter mile each way. Oh, my gosh. To refill the car. So I did that. That took about an hour. And I refilled <laughs> the car um, and then made it maybe about three or four miles. Home is about eight or ten miles away. Uh, made it to a like an O'Reilly's, like buy a proper new piece of hose yeah. and clamp, and then I was able to drive all the way home just fine then, where <laughs> okay. any more railroad tracks. <laughs> I like that story. That is awesome. And holy cow, the idea never would have crossed my mind to pull the car up on a curb so you could crawl underneath it. That's kind of brilliant. 
Yeah, a, a mounted police officer pulled up <laughs> behind me while because I, I said I'm doing this in the middle of the park in the middle of the day. <laughs> He's like, "Sir, why are you parked on the sidewalk?" <laughs> Expecting my DeLorean, sir. Good day. <laughs> so, didn't get a ticket there either. Um, I have been pulled over four times. So, sorry, vehicle, sorry. I've never received a ticket. Hold on, Clint. <laughs> so, you got more or less pulled over by a, a, a horse oh, cop. A horse. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. So, you um, said you've been pulled over four times but not gotten a ticket. Were those for speeding? Um. Another one was again for a little bit of swerving. My my steering rack was a little bit um, uh, a little worse for wear. So it was a rookie cop pulled me over, thought I might be drinking or <laughs> drugs or something. So right. he did a field sobriety test. And wow! I think he just wanted to look at the car. I was just gonna say, yep. Yeah, so I got away with that. Uh, I got pulled over another time for doing a couple mile an hour over, and the cops let me go. They're like, oh, I just want to take pictures of it. You can go. And nice. Most cops are, are car guys, and if you talk like that with them, they they, they forget all about it. You know, you Good. can get away with a lot in that car. As long as you're not being a a, a jerk or or being dangerous, yeah. No, I mean that's that's how you have to be in these cars. You are kind of a small celebrity in these things, whether you like it or not. Everyone yep. taking pictures, and I'm sure you've experienced that. Oh yeah, plenty. I say that you know every gas station that I stop at, and every time I'm with. You know, people come up and talk. I say, I love sharing the car. That is, that's the thing. I love people in general. Uh, and, and I'm not even, no interest in being the celebrity or being the guy. I love just that people love the car so much. So that's yeah. the, the so fun of owning you gotta, it. You got to be up for that. Yeah. And then another time I had the cooling system break. It was having my, my failures, but I still, like I said, never been stranded. I was doing a test drive after reinstalling my an exhaust system. And the uh, the fan switch, the otter stat, was a little bit close to the header. Oh. And it decided to get too hot it. and it blew out. Yeah, so it blew out on the on the on ramp getting on the freeway. Oh. I was again maybe three or four miles from home, but now I had no otter stat. So once again, duct tape to the rescue. <laughs> so a whole roll of duct tape to try and fix that hole. Oh, jeez. I might have to put a roll of duct tape in the DeLorean, but actually, no, I'm not you. I'm not a mechanic. <laughs> well, anyone can use duct tape. I'm sure you could do it. <laughs> <laughs> it's cheaper than a tow bill. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I do carry a gallon of uh, coolant, though. Only one time at the, oddly enough, the Christmas parade here in, in Southern California where it was a really hot day. I overheated after the parade, which was good, but didn't notice it until I pulled into a parking lot of where we're going to go get food and all the steam oh, and... Well. Sure enough, get out of the car and holy cow! So, and I didn't have any extra water or coolant with me, so walked over to the local, you know, just half a block, found an auto parts store, and now I always keep a gallon in the trunk, just, yeah, just because. So do I. Yeah, I'll get. That's always the last question I ask is, you know, what's in the trunk, and uh, being a mechanic, I'll, I'm very interested in hearing what you have to say about that. A second ago, you mentioned that your uh, uh, that your steering rack was was loose or not adjusted. Have you replaced it? Have you rebuilt it yourself? Have you bought somebody's kit? Yes. Um, so that's another one of those large modifications. Back when I got my car, I don't believe anyone had a easily purchasable brand new rack available for the cars, and uh, some of the rack bushings on on these sometimes degrade. You can't buy. You couldn't buy the individual bushing at that time, and I didn't have a lathe at that point. So I kind of made my own bushing out of a PVC pipe, which helped for a little while. I ended up getting another rack that still was a little bit worn out. So yeah, it just had more play in it than I would like. So my ended up solution was actually to retrofit a Mazda Miata steering rack into my car. Okay, that's the second time you've mentioned Miata parts going on the DeLorean. Is there many yeah. crossover parts that you've used or that can be used, or was it more that there are. you modified stuff? Uh, some were nearly drop-in, and yeah, others were modified. Here's a, a free one for your, for your listeners. The, uh, the lower engine lid latch, which I believe for a long time was not available. It may be available now. It's a pretty simple little single latch. Just the, the engine Fine. cover that has the vents in it? Correct, the lower one. Okay. That you pull the cable on. Right. The rear, the trunk latch from an early Mazda Miata, actually from 1990 to 2002, is uh, pretty much bolt right in. 
Wow. The, the cable cable works. The bolt hole spacing, I believe, is a little bit off, but you can file the holes or redrill them if you epoxy up that rear closing plate. Um, but it worked brilliantly, and I, I think it's a superior design piece because it's from hmm. a newer vehicle anyway. Right. Interesting. So the steering rack was was my my big adventure with with that. I uh, I built I built a lot of Mazda Miata race cars, so I've kind of come to appreciate a lot of the good qualities those cars have. The early vehicles that have non-power steering, their steering rack is quite compact hmm. and looked a lot like a DeLorean rack, although a little bit narrower. So I drew up a design to extend the rack. I believe it was. 60 millimeters or something like that. Don't quote me. So I had a, I, I bought two steering racks so I could have the internal threads on one side, and I had a machine shop cut external threads on the other side so I could screw it in to make it wider because the DeLorean rack oh. is, is much wider than a Miata. Sure. And it's import, important to keep your inner tie rods, your pivot points at the same locations. Otherwise, you'll run into bump steer and other steering issues. Okay. So I made this custom piece to essentially make the rack wider with the necessary outer support systems, which was more tubing that I welded outside. And I believe I was actually able to modify the factory DeLorean steering rack mount, horseshoe clamps or whatever you'd call them, crumple them. And it was nearly bolt in to, to the DeLorean front frame huh. and using Miata tie rod ends. However, the tie, or the tie rod ends, the very end, was a trick because it had a smaller paper design than a Mazda Miata had, but it needed to have M12125 threads for the main tie rods. Yeah. So I used 1989 Subaru Justy tie rod ends, <laughs> which took a lot of uh, catalog searching to figure that out. <laughs> yeah, I bet. And then where do you find an 89 just, uh, parts for an 89 Justy? Uh, yeah, that's probably drying up faster than, you know, water on Mars. So, uh <laughs> I mean, somewhere like Rock Auto or, or some other sort of supplier would, would have something new. I, I wouldn't suggest you something old. And then I had, tr- I had to make a custom U-joint to connect the DeLorean steering shaft to a Mazda Miata rack, which has a different spline. Um, I ended up just welding up different couplers uh, and turning all the DeLorean couple- the U-joint couplers into Mazda couplers because I find them superior in strength and tightness which helped a lot more with the uh, the play, getting the play out of the steering. Huh. Did, did you have to shorten the, the steering column or something? Uh, no, the column was all the same length. Uh, it was the U-joints I just ended up changing for the splines and higher quality joint themselves. Again, nice. I believe there's more pictures of this documented on my page. Awesome. Okay. And so that gave me a much better feeling front suspension. I've had uh, all the, the guys up here in NorCal test drive the car and they, they've noted that it's a pretty good feeling setup and the Miata rack actually has more travel than the DeLorean rack so my steering radius actually improves. Really? I can do a U-turn in a two-lane road. Holy cow. Have you done that mod to anybody else's car or is, is yours the only one that done that with? Uh, I have not done that to anyone else's yet. I'm, I could if somebody would like to. It does require a little bit of grinding on the, uh, the frame so... That, is, that makes people hesitant because it's not <laughs> as easily reversible. Right, right. But I'm a big believer in if you can't, if the public can't see it, do whatever you want. I mean, if it's going to make the car better, safer, faster, whatever, yeah, go ahead and change it. And I want my car to look stock. Uh, you know, I want the interior, everything to look the way it's supposed to look. But if it's under the engine cover or under the hood or under the car, I don't care. You know, if it's better and, and it's going to be a, a safer Safer drive, I'd rather do that. Yeah, I agree. What else? Whenever I'm whenever I'm in junkyards, I go and I try to find another PRV motor to see if I can, you know, I... rebuild another one of those. And I haven't come across any DeLoreans in any junkyards yet. But <laughs> yeah. Here's hoping. You said earlier you're six four. John DeLorean was six four. Yeah. Any issue with uh, being that tall in DeLorean? Um, I wouldn't really say anything. It's it's terrible. Um, I've I've gotten pretty used to it and, and very comfortable on it. It's it's definitely I would say my most comfortable car. I prefer it for any long drives and I, I I feel I can see all of it quite well. Okay. I haven't met a lot of six foot four DeLorean owners. I always wondered if well, I'm you know, also quite 
like I said, I'm a pretty thin, so maybe that gives me a little bit of advantage. <laughs> yeah. When you bought the car, did uh, the first or the previous owner have anything else with the car from its history? Or after four owners, I would imagine stuff kind of disappears. Like you didn't get boxes full of DeLorean stuff with it. No, I didn't. No memorabilia or any sort of mementos. Um, I did get a pretty heavy manila folder full of old receipts and invoices. The uh, car's been to P.J. Grady and to Houston, and I think it may have been to Garden Grove before. So it's kind of gone the gauntlet of, yeah. of the big of the big vendors. I think my oldest repair order was maybe the late '80s. Something like that, which, nice. which is similar to what my uh, my Carfax sort of thing goes back back to. But the amount of receipts I put into it far outweighs <laughs> what I, I got with it. I used to have a pretty accurate log of what I put into it, and I've rather purposely not been adding that up the last few years. <laughs> so you've uh, you've replaced the steering rack. You've put in new shock. Yeah, I've gone through quite a few different shocks. Oh, you have? Okay, since 10 years ago, yeah. sure. Yeah. You've got a new... Rear engine cover latch. What other notable things have you done? Uh, changes to the car have you done? Name a part, and I, it probably is. Um, <laughs> I fully rebuilt the transmission. Uh, oh, wow. Myself, split it all down. Uh, the same year I bought it, I pulled the motor out and covered the transmission in POR 15 along with the frame, which ended up being a bit of a mistake. I, I don't know what POR 15 is. Um, it's sort of a hot rodders uh, epoxy paint it's ah, okay a pretty durable it's paint coating it's that's yeah it's a paint coating system you do with a brush and if you apply it properly i'm sure it'll last quite well but i found that it was not very ultraviolet resistant so from went from silver to green and started <laughs> sort of mushing off with your oil and brake fluid oh so that ended up looking pretty ugly you took the engine out did you completely rebuild it top to bottom the engine top to bottom Yes, yeah, so I've also rebuilt the motor. I think it was back in 2015, right after uh, 2015 Back to the Future Celebration Day. It was actually one of the last days I drove it before the motor kind of let go. One of the head gaskets had started having a combustion pressure leak. So it wasn't mixing oil and coolant, but the pressure in the combustion chambers was getting into the cooling system and therefore overpressurizing it. How did you figure that out? Uh, about a year ago, before that, I had noticed that my coolant was sort of disappearing, um, and I did one of those coolant chemical tests. I didn't say it was mixing or anything. Um, it just seemed to be coming out of my overflow tube, so I, I made myself an overflow container, and it all ended up going in there. So I changed different caps. I tried a different bottle, but for some reason, it was just kept going above 15 PSI. Huh. Eventually, this got worse and worse, and... I noticed when the car was driven on cool days, I could drive longer before the, the coolant started getting low. And then on hot days, eventually it only got down to about a 10-mile range before I had run out of coolant. Holy cow. The car still ran fantastic, but this obviously was not going to work very long. <laughs> yeah. So I ended up pulling the whole motor out, which I believe was the third time I pulled the motor out. Other <laughs> times have been for just cleaning or doing some main sealing or, like I said, rust repair in the frame. So I fully stripped it down. I had new uh, piston liners. I got a bunch of parts from DeLorean Performance Industries, DPI, including some uh, of his high-performance camshafts. Oh, nice. So I put those in, and don't get me started on how terrible it is to line camshafts on these <laughs> motors. I I don't understand why the French engineers who made this motor couldn't say, oh, let's cast in a little notch and line this to that, and ooh, there's the cam lined up, you know, like <laughs> every other vehicle ever made. Instead, you have to, like, line one camshaft to the moon, and the other one has to go to Venus and, you know, <laughs> rotate it 197 degrees on a Tuesday. Oh, I'm, man. I'm exaggerating. Yeah, yeah. But I could never quite get the right number or the right uh, adjustment for some reason, so... The car didn't seem to have the right amount of power. I had dynoed it many times before. Um, again, another perk of working at a race shop. Where I yeah. had full access to a chassis dyno. Again, documented in my, my forum posts, I had done some little tweaks and modifications and found taking out a catalytic converter on the factory exhaust does not actually gain you any power, at least in my case. Wow. That's, that's no I'm worthy. I'm sure you've probably heard that. Uh, yeah, I've always heard that you're down to 130 after the cat. So I was making about 
405 horsepower at the wheels, which is, you know, plus or minus 15, 20%, they say, for a loft. Um, and I tried it with a gutted cat with a pipe I welded inside. <laughs> yeah. And then I tried it with the cat back in it, and I gained like one foot pound of torque. Huh. You know, and when you're making this kind of a run an hour or so in between, that that's well outside the margin of error for atmosphere and what have you. Right, so right. In my, in my experience, the car being the same car, same conditions, just changing the catalytic converter, you're not going to gain any power, but hmm. your results may vary. Sure, sure. Um, I had I found removing the ignition coil resistors was actually a very beneficial gain. You know, the white <sighs> resistor that's on the firewall of these vehicles. Really? I I removed that because what that does is help extend the life of your ignition system. Okay. And you only get about seven, eight volts at the coil when you have that resistor. If you remove this resistor, you you get full thirteen volts at your coil, which pretty tremendous amount of improvement um and this allows you to open your spark plug gaps and run different plugs if you want to i don't remember the exact number but it was something like seven horsepower or something like and 10 foot pounds of torque i gained by simply doing that wow and i i did it back to back and then i put the coil resistor back in and i lost the same amount of power so it was confirmable on this mustang dyno huh so since then i've always run it without the ignition resistor and Yes, my uh, ignition coil and rotor and cap will wear out faster. But How much faster? Twice as fast or? Uh, maybe not quite twice as fast, but you should be changing those every, what, 50,000, 30,000 miles. Anyway, okay. It's not like we're driving these cars that much. Right, you know, yeah, exactly. 10 years to, to rack yeah. up another 35,000 miles. So it's, I'm not mad about it if you are, and then don't do it. <laughs> right, right. Clint, that is a... I'm not a car guy. I don't. I really don't know what I'm talking about. I know more than the person that knows zero. But seven, you know, seven horsepower is not nothing, right? Yeah, on a car that's going to make a hundred at the wheel, that's seven percent. Yeah. So it, you can feel it. That's a that's a boy. I, a lot of people mm-hmm. say, "Oh, I want to put in a stage one, stage two. and I'm like, "Don't screw with the freaking car." My car is all stock. I can get to eighty five, no problem, getting on the freeway. I, but the car goes plenty fast enough. However, all the people that want more power, more power, little things like that, that sounds pretty significant to be able to do something that simple and, and gain some decent horsepower. And it's reversible. And the parts are replaceable that do wear out faster. So it's not going to cost two, three, four grand to go do a stage one, stage two. Exactly. That is pretty exciting. Huh. Speaking of the stage one, I have done a, a dyno test back to back with that exhaust. The, uh, the stage one. I believe mine is one of the slightly older systems, which has a different muffler, but it's still all stainless, the same headers and whatnot. I believe it was something like 16% power increase for doing the full exhaust versus the standard exhaust. And then obviously re- retuning your, your mixtures sure. properly. I don't I don't have a reason to go out and buy another one at the moment. Sure. I've been happy with it. Nice. And, uh, I, think it's, I think it's worth that. Is it going to make 197 horsepower? In my opinion, it will not. But it is a worthwhile upgrade. So I, I've done a, a dyno test. With, I went in one in the morning on the dyno and tested it with stock exhaust and came back three, four hours later, which is realistically as fast as you can change it out and go down the street to the dyno shop after yeah. retuning it. Yeah. So that was a nice little test. Huh. Interesting. Have you done a lot of, of stage one swaps for people in NorCal? No, I have not, unfortunately. Uh, a lot of the other guys don't share my passion for, for making it faster. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, they're, they're glad that I'm working this out, but they're, yeah. not, they're not quite doing it themselves. So, but I'd be happy to change out exhaust for someone if they want to. That's why I'm, I'm sitting here thinking about between NorCal and SoCal, it seems like that might be something. Maybe you'll have to consider going on a road trip and do some changes down here in L.A. for people. Yeah, that might, that might be fun. I will put out a pitch right now. Um, for the last three years, I have gone to DeLorean Weekend Las Vegas, and it is incredibly fun and educational. You don't have to commit here, but I would hope that you will consider it because Vegas is a cheap flight for people on the West Coast, and hotel rooms are cheap, and you only have to come for two or three days instead of you know, four, you know, three or four days. And there's a lot of people that come in from around the country. It's very casual. And there's just a lot of information exchange, and you get a chance to meet a lot of people. It would be great to just 
hear a lot more of your stories and and with your expertise, it'd be wonderful to share with people. And then you might end up getting some more customers down the road for your side side gig. Yeah, that'd be very nice if my uh, schedule allows it. I'd love to come down for that. Check it out, DeLoreanWeekend.com. And this year, I think it's October 4th, 5th, 6th, something like that, uh, that weekend. And it's very fun and very relaxed, and you don't have to hang out and do everything. But uh, check it out because uh, it would be really great if you could come and meet some more people and share some experiences. Fantastic, yeah. I can imagine that we could talk for many hours. Having your technical skills and all the stuff you've done, one of the one of the pieces of feedback I do get from people is they say, Dave, we want to hear more technical stuff. Uh, hearing the same story about talking to people at the gas station gets old. Everybody has different stories, but a lot of people do want to hear the tech stuff. So that's uh, awesome that you're that guy. I appreciate you being willing to share and uh, – at some point, maybe we'll do some repeats, and you'll be high on my list to call again and and do some different stories. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, that's one of the reasons I wanted to contact and talk to you, give more more mechanical perspective on these things and, and ideas about modifying them. I'm, I know there's a lot of other owners out there that are all in favor of doing modifications, and maybe they have cold feet on it and love to have an open discussion about what works and what doesn't and whatever they feel like. Got plenty more modifications to talk about if you ever wanted to. <laughs> I bet. Do you spend uh, much time on any of this, any particular group on Facebook to talk about, like DeLorean owners only or DeLorean restoration? Any of those groups for talking about mods? Yeah, those those ones you've mentioned, the re- restoration and DeLoreans only, NorCal, and um, right. even the LS DeLorean groups. I'm I'm good friends with Josh Attenkirk up in Canada, who's the the man pioneering the LS4 swap. <laughs> he's, uh, he's got me very, very excited about trying an LS4 swap. I don't know if I'm ready to <laughs> the Chevy V8 in my car yet. I, I have some other ideas for motors. <laughs> that would be an interesting at some point in the future talking about that because there's a lot of the a lot of DeLorean people that do want to put in different engines and uh, there's a lot of discussion around that. You don't have to go f- buy another DeLorean and put one of those engines in it just as a test car. Well, I, I have mine. I, I think that's probably all I could realistically settle for uh, <laughs> modifying mine. I, I have a, a BMW motor. Being, I'm also a BMW mechanic, so I have a few motors from them that, I, that I've been toying with installing mm. in my vehicle. So wow. they're, re- they're relatively cheap and powerful and, again, could be reversible for those people where that's important to them. Sure. Give your listeners one little teaser. I I might be playing with uh, building the world's first V12 DeLorean. Did they make a V12 small enough to fit in the car, or do you have to take out the parcel shelf? No, it'll still be rear engine, unfortunately. Doing the best I can, moving everything forward. Wow. To fit like the like the LS guys and and whatnot. But uh, dimensionally, <laughs> it's not any long longer than uh, that 2JZ that uh, Ed had installed in in the back of his car. So wow. I uh, I may or may not have already mocked it up. I may or may not have made some parts for it. I may or may not be doing it. Um, I'm not committing. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, One of these years we might hear about it or hear it. <laughs> and I, I fully acknowledge that will not make it a better car. It will only make it more interesting. <laughs> there you go. I like so, that. But now at that point, I mean – I've heard that it's kind of hard to find a transmission that works in the DeLorean because you can't use a stock one with something that powerful. Well, it's not a crazy powerful V12, uh, yes. But uh, unfortunately, yeah, I mean, finding a proper transaxle, it's all about money. There is a price point where where you have to go to something German and uh, like Porsche or an aftermarket like a Mendola or what have you, which is more like fan rail guys have. And that can start getting the big figures. Got um, it. But honestly, if, if you're putting big down, big power down, that's what you kind of have to go towards. So. Right, right. Josh up in Canada had tried a, a Subaru diesel transaxle, which sounded like a very durable and cheaper alternative, but unfortunately it, it didn't work out with his ring and pinion grenaded twice. So. Oof. And then he said, okay, let's try time to try something else. I think he, he may have given up on that. I don't quote me on that. Sorry, about that, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he's, he's documented that. He's putting some heavy power back there. and that's That's another one of the big equations that scares people off, so... Yeah, working hard to try and perfect the kit. 
Nice. To make that work for everybody. Well, Clint, uh, it has been educational, uh, very exciting, and I'm glad that we got a chance to talk. I appreciate your time. I always tr- close because uh, it's... It is different for every person, but what is in the trunk of your car? Well, I'm going to go out and look right now. Oh, okay, um, good. At the moment, I don't think there's much. I, uh, Like I said, I do carry some tools. Um, and up in the jack storage container, I, I, I leave the water, my spare water containers. Oh, a pretty good place. Interesting. Get some of those large, like large one-and-a-half-liter water bottles, and then you stick them sideways behind the headlights. No way. Clint, that is yeah. brilliant. You can stick three or four in there, actually. One and a half liter water bottles. That's not. I don't. That's. I'm thinking the two liter water bottles that soda comes in. Is that too big to fit in there? Yeah, the diameter is too big there. It's. It is kind of an odd size. Do you remember where you got those bottles? I could not. I, I could dig them <laughs> out, but that would take me a minute. Um, but yeah, go through your grocery store aisle and try to find something with the diameter that matches the access hole up there with the jack kit you can stick two up there and that's a good way to you know add a little bit of front weight to the car and <laughs> always find these cars handle a little bit better with a full field full tank of gas and water up there so wow boy just the idea of being able to stash that coolant or water up there in that basically wasted space that is just awesome i've never heard or read anybody doing that yeah and if you wedge it in there i mean they're not going to be moving around no no, not like, not like you'll be damaging anything, I believe. Yeah. Having <laughs> that, you know, the gallon jug of coolant in the trunk eats up a fair chunk of space. Yeah, you'll probably have a little little more capacity with a gallon jug, so maybe you should still keep that as well. Hmm. Well, you got me thinking now. So do you also, do you keep the jack, the jack kit in there still? I do, um, and I have used it. I have used my spare tire before. Huh. Um, I went out to a car show and I accidentally backed into a curb because, you know, everyone's taking pictures and you get a little distracted and <laughs> yeah. I'm sure that made for a great photo. <laughs> and the tire, the rear tire did not go flat right away, but about three miles down the road it did. So I had to use my jack kit on the side of the road and put my spare tire on, which was not the most confident inspiring. You're right. But uh, like I said, my car is pretty lowered, so I actually had to go and find a rock to drive my flat tire on so I could get enough room <laughs> under the car to get the jack under the car. You know, the, the perils of having a lowered vehicle. Right, right. Okay, I'm so sorry. I, I, I was totally distracted by the water thing. Okay, what else is what else is in your trunk? Uh, I still have another gallon of coolant, um, okay. just in case. All right. Like a bungee cord, more duct tape, just in case. I'm not saying duct tape fixes everything, but it's cheap. Why not? Sure. I have the trunk carpeting. I have some spare rubber fuel lines for the fuel pump or under the car accumulator if those ever mm. were damaged. Okay. And I have some cleaning supplies, some microfibers and window cleaner. Now, you said you have tools. Do you have like a, a tool bag or are they just loose? Uh, yeah, I have a little bag that goes in the cubby behind the driver's seat. Oh, and that has the the usual uh, metric wrenches, screwdrivers, some wire, some jumper wires, a spare RPM relay, hmm. spare regular relay, or spare fuses. Um, none of which I've really ever needed. Um, I always keep a three millimeter Allen to help tune the the fuel mixture if that ever yep goes out of whack. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. So I'm I'm not going to survive a major breakdown, but well, like I said, she's never broken down on me. Permanently. <laughs> you, you're you're the guy that can fix that stuff on the side of the road more than most people. Clint, again, appreciate your time. Fantastic talking to you and learning some more. Uh, have, have to work to keep these things on the road is being determined to do it, I suppose, um, even if it does break down on your own side of the road. So learn your car and don't be afraid to work on it. Good advice. I really love it. All right, well... People can find links in the episode page for DMC Talk and your pictures and a bunch of other information. To everybody out there who uh, has stuck around and and uh, didn't give up thinking that I was never going to do another episode, I appreciate you being out here. Please do spread the word. For those that are become new owners and don't know about it, Check out DeLoreanDirectory.com. There's always new articles being submitted by owners around 
with different modifications or tips, tricks. The crossover parts list is growing, stuff that you can get from most auto parts stores that'll save you some money and have better warranties. And the DeLorean census, every day, almost uh, several times a week, people are submitting new census information. And yeah, the form can get a little long, but I think it's a great way to historically track where the cars are and what's on them and uh, looking forward to people doing that. So DeLoreanDirectory.com, DeLoreanTalk.com. And if you submit a bunch of photos, I'll create a VIN page for your car so that you can send people to it and uh, share it with other people. So thanks uh, to everybody for sticking around and appreciate your support. We will see you on the road. Mm-hmm.